Welcome to the Rule for Combat Actual Play Podcast, where our intrepid adventurers are playing through the Pathfinder adventure, The Fall of Plaguestone. Join us every week as our daring adventurers face treacherous monsters and deadly obstacles on their quest to save a town from utter destruction. Lead on, listener. Your quest awaits. Hey everyone, welcome to Rule for Combat, The Fall of Plaguestone. I'm your GM and host, Steven Glicker, and in this week's episode, the Rule for Combat gang decided to go back adventuring. They're leaving their role-playing behind and going back to a killing. So one thing I've noticed in Pathfinder 2nd Edition is the return to tactical combat. Now one thing I'm going to say, which I think a lot of people are going to get upset about, but I'm going to tell you right now, is that Pathfinder 1st Edition, especially Pathfinder 1st Edition, even more than 3.5, you could power game through that really easily. People thought they were tactical geniuses, but in reality, they were just creating broken characters that did amazing amounts of damage. That, let me tell you, is not being a tactical genius. That is not playing smartly. That is you figuring out how to power game your character, how to get the most amount of damage possible with the least amount of actions. And that does not require a lot of tactics. All that requires is number crunching and brute force. I see that a lot of people are playing Pathfinder 2nd Edition and are getting killed or are stunned because they're thinking they can brute force their way through this game like they did in Pathfinder 1st Edition, and they are sorely mistaken, as it is much harder, the numbers are way tighter, it's much harder to break the system, so far at least, and that you really have to know what you're doing on the battlefield. You actually have to pay attention. You have to actually pay attention to what actions you're going to take, what actions the monsters are going to take. You have to position yourself correctly, and this is leading to a lot of players' deaths, because I think a lot of people got into a lot of bad habits with Pathfinder 1st Edition. One thing I am starting to see, thankfully, especially with these guys, is that they are getting better, that they are starting to see the error of their ways, they're becoming much more tactically sound, and they're really doing a much better job. You're going to see that in this episode and in future episodes, especially in future episodes that are really starting to get the hang of it. I've actually seen this in another game, which sounds weird. I'm going to mention is Gloomhaven, if anyone's played it. I actually played Gloomhaven almost to completion. I got that game when it first came out. I found a group who played it every single week for years. It's an enormous game. There's like 75 scenarios for you to play in the very basic adventure, and it's way too long. It's a great game, but man, is that too long. But one thing about that game is when you first start to play, you're going to get your ass handed to you because it is just a totally different way of playing and thinking. But the more you play it, the more you get the hang of it, the more you get the rhythm with your actions, you'll start to decimate that game and get really, really good. I'm starting to see the same thing with Pathfinder 2nd Edition. If you think you can just brute force your way through all these encounters, it ain't possible. Which is actually what I think a lot of people are angry about. It's that they don't like that you can't just make these, you know, insanely powerful characters right out the bat. And by level 2 or 3, they're doing 100 points of damage and they can just kill everything in one shot. Now you actually have to pay attention. You gotta actually do tactics. You gotta make your actions count. Things actually have consequences. It's, it's much different than it used to be. Personally, I love it. This is what I want my role-playing game to be. I don't want it to be brute force. I felt, especially after a while, 3.5 and Pathfinder 1st Edition just got too much 
once you got up to like level 12 or 13, it just became really, really hard to balance the game without giving restrictions to your players. One thing I will be very interested to see is when I'm playing this game with my other group, the guys who do Dead Sons. Now, I'm not talking about John's stats, because John's stats, although a genius in many ways, and probably the very best Magic player I've ever seen in my entire life. Let me tell you, this guy would get to the top 16 every single tournament, no matter how big the tournament was. He is not the best at D&D, Pathfinder, and Starfinder. He is kind of the brute force method. However, Bob, Jason, Chris, and Seth, those guys are tactical geniuses. When I used to do tournament D&D, I was in charge of creating characters for those adventures. Now, tournament D&D, what I would do is create incredibly broken characters. Characters no one on planet Earth would ever build or run. These characters were terribly built, but that was the point. That was part of the challenge, and you're supposed to take these pre-written characters that are incredibly poorly designed and figure out how to get through these increasingly more difficult encounters using characters that are not optimized. And my group of guys used to test out these characters and the adventures before I ran them at Gen Con. These guys are so good that not only would they be able to defeat one encounter, they'd actually be able to bleed encounters and defeat both of them simultaneously. The amount of people I ever saw actually succeed in doing that at Tournament D&D was zero. It never happened. They would often die in the first encounter. Bleeding encounters was unheard of, and yet these guys would manage to do it. They are very, very good at tactical combat. I think they've gotten a little lazy with Starfinder recently, just because they've kind of gotten into a little bit root when it comes to like their abilities and what they can do in Starfinder. But when they start playing Pathfinder 2nd Edition, of which they will be doing in the near future, I'll be very curious to see how they play with all these tactical opportunities afforded to them. And they could just do lots of really cool things. And then one last thing I'm going to say about Pathfinder 2nd Edition that I really like is doing combat maneuvers, unlike all the other editions where it was a total pain in the butt, it's much easier to do them. And I find that I'm doing them a lot more often. Things like bull rush or trip or pushes or things like that they used to be such a pain in the first edition in second edition they're actually very easy not only just to do in terms of rule set but it's actually easy to do in terms of your characters have a fairly good chance of pulling them off and i find that it really changes the battlefield especially for the monsters because a lot of times the pcs like to set up the battlefield in such a way that they control it and what i've been doing is having the monsters doing things like push where they actually push the PCs 5 to 10 feet away, or trip, or things like that, and then it messes up the battlefield, and then they have to reorganize. It's really nice, and I find it's a fun way to sort of challenge the players without directly attacking them. And that's something I would recommend in your own games. If you feel like, well, I just don't want to do the attack, attack, attack over and over again, it kind of feels routine, let's try things like, I don't know, repositioning, or moving people around, or tripping someone. Things like that are pretty easy to do in 2nd edition, and they will definitely challenge your players. Finally, anyone going to PAX Unplugged this week? I'm going to be there. I know Perrin from No Directions is going to be there. I know John Stats from the show is going to be there. There's going to be a ton of guys from No Direction. Pretty much the entire Order of the Amber Die, since they live like five minutes away, are going to be there. I think they're going to be there Saturday. Most of the core people from Pizer are going to be there. If you're going, let me know. I'll see you there. Also, make sure you do check out the Roll for Combat Discord channel. 
If you want to play some games or get some free t-shirts, just go to discord.rollforcombat.com. And finally, we're getting close to the end of Plague Stone. Not really. We're still about halfway through this. But Plague Stone and Dead Sons are ending, and we are gearing up for the new podcast coming out. We're still figuring them out, but look for them in the beginning of the new year. It's December 2019 right now. Can't believe it. So that means sometime in January, February, we're going to be introducing brand new podcasts on the show. And you can listen to those. And they're going to be a big mix of what we're doing now and a few other things. I'll let you know, but it's going to be cool. It's going to be really kind of different than what I've been doing so far. One of them is, I can't even talk about it, but it's going to be really cool. Trust me, you're going to like it. Anyhow, with that, let's get on to this week's show. Last we left off, you were in the inn, getting ready after a week of various questing to go off on adventure. And I think Cade has seen the light and has decided to become one with nature, which is interesting only because I was listening to some older podcasts and you mentioned it in earlier podcasts that you were kind of interested in ranger and in nature in general. So I guess this wasn't completely out of the blue for you. Yeah, not completely because I looked at the class and it looked pretty interesting and would actually marry well with the rogue aspects. Rob Tremarco is playing Cade Thistlerot, the halfling rogue thief. So you have everything you need, a Prue, Cade, Celeste, Brixley. You upgrade it to full plate Prue. You need anything else? Otherwise... You're going to go to bed, wake up bright and early, and it's going to take you at least all day to get to where she believes there's a big blight. I've got full plate and a plus one weapon. I am raring to go. Lauren Sieg is playing Prue Frosthammer, the half-orc spirit barbarian. Raring. What about everyone else? Um, I suppose we could go into the wilderness and fight some deadly aspect of nature. Vanessa Hoskins is playing Celeste Carvassalon, the human angelic sorcerer. Yeah, it's not a deadly aspect. It's just corrupted nature. Okay, so far we've been attacked by trees and gross dogs and acid wolves before we even got to this town. Like, I like it indoors, thank you. Well, now you're going to go to the heart of the beast. What could possibly go wrong? Only everything. Was Brixley going to say something? Uh, no, I'm just going to check in on the progress of my uh, church construction, and I'm going to head out. Jason McDonald is playing Brixley Silverthorn, the gnome champion liberator. Okay. So you check on the progress, and it's coming along swimmingly. It looks like they're going to need another week or two to kind of finish it all up. And as you were talking to Metamon, it is becoming, it's a church, but church and tavern is kind of, you know, loosely associated with one another when you're talking about Cain and Colleen. So, yeah, there's pews, but, you know, it's kind of like going to the Alamo. There's seats, but then there's like bar stools in front of them with like menus for drinks. So you can both pray and drink at the same time, much like at the Alamo where you can watch a movie and drink and get full dinner. 
All right. I like it, boys. Keep up the good work. I'll be back in a couple of days. Oh, that's that's great. Great. Uh, you go get him, boss. We're going to be here uh, putting together the barn. I mean, putting together the church and uh, fixing it up. And we got some of that great ale and... We're going to be putting those in and having a whole area right for the kegs. Don't worry. That, that we have no problem with. I like the attitude. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. All right. See you later, Mr. Brixley. So you guys ready? You ready to have a nice full rest? Let's make sure everybody's all rested up. Let me see if you get all your spells back. Rest me up. Rest you up. Rest me up. Four level one spells for Celeste? Did what now? How many level one spells do you get? Um, four? Per day. Okay, good. That's what I thought. Yep, four per day. All right, you're going to need it. I mean, good job. All right, you go to sleep after another night of merriment and enjoyment, and you don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you're starting to get a hang of these turnips. You're even starting to have a few things that are, quote, your favorites. Turnip pudding's really the best. I do like the the turnip, um, the turnip turnover. It's a very sweet cake. Oh, that is good. And a little turnip leaf tea. Oh, so soothing. Who knew that the tops of the turnips were anything you cared about? I do. I suppose I've had worse ale. Some people say that they're just bitter and kind of grassy, but I actually think they have a nice flavor. Yeah, when you boil them up or roast them a little bit, changes the whole mouthfeel. Mouthfeel. How it feels <laughs> in my mouth. That's a word, and I have used it. Brixley, what's your favorite turnip dish? Oh, I, I prefer to keep it simple. I just do like a kind of a turnip and cheese open tray type thing. I don't really... You know, oh, like a scalloped turnip? I just been more of a snack style turnip, you know, just kind of with crackers. <laughs> oh, okay. Cheese, crackers, and turnips. Ooh, or like melted cheese and like like turnips and cheese. Now we're talking. No, so that could work. You know, they also have a wide variety of pickled turnips, too. Okay, now you have my attention. Anyhow. You guys all go to sleep. You wake up bright and early. Sure enough, Nola's there. And you have a nice little to-go bag from Delma of all of your favorite dishes. Turnip souffle, turnips and cheese, turnip soup, turnip ale, turnip bitters, everything you would want and more. I'm honestly nervous to see if, if, if we all survive this next adventure. The last ones have all been so deadly. Well, she is confident that you will mostly make it back alive. Okay, she's not. Well, that, that makes confident. that makes one of us. Yes. Well, all Nolia knows is that she was able to pinpoint through triangulation. She sort of was going through the forest and figuring out where the blight was occurring and increasing. So she's able to figure out sort of a location of where she thinks it's going to be the strongest. Wait, hold on a second. Did she use tree PS? That's bad. Just Whoa. get out of here. My ribs hurt. Not I'm sorry, laughing. but I'm so not sorry. She just triangulated the location. You know what the Delta. Tree P. 
P.S. Yes. Now, she looks at Cade and says, on the way, I'll kind of teach you the ways of the the tree P.S. Yeah, like how to program the homing pigeons. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm ready. Okay. Are you all ready for adventure? What? I suppose the answer you want to hear is yes. Let's do it. She goes on to explain that the journey she expects is going to be long and challenging. We must go directly there with no delay, no side quests. We must cover as much ground as possible. Let's be off. And you're off. Dun, 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 dun. You start going off into the woods, and the first few hours, you know, sure enough, the woods are pretty much what you expected. Every so often, you see a little bit of blight here and there, and much like the wolf den, you see, like, rotting trees, dying plants, you know, nothing too, you know, outlandish. But you do notice a small but steady increase over time. You then break, have lunch for a little while, but then she's like, come on, we gotta keep going. You keep going, and you definitely know you're going the right way, because... Suddenly, as you're going deeper in, you're noticing all the plants, they're, they're dead. All the plants just are dead. They're limp, they're rotten, and the air stinks of a sweet decay. You also don't hear any birds or insects. There appears to be nothing in this area living by early afternoon. She goes on to say, don't touch anything. Everything here is dead. That's why we don't hear any animals. Because if they try to eat something, they'll die. They're smart enough to know to avoid this. Let's keep going. Celeste tries to whisper to Prue, I hope we're not next. Ugh. Yeah, me too. Just stay close and we'll be all right. By late afternoon, you go through that horrible, desolate area. And you get to probably the most frightening area of all. Here... The trees and the plants actually have returned to life, but they are twisted and horrible. The leaves drip with oily sap. Their branches are gnarled, yet strangely pliable, and the bark looks like scales on many of the trees. The plants are covered with odd pustules that emit faintly glowing light, and biting gnats swarm around the plants. As you continue through, you swat some of these gnats. And when you do, they explode into tiny flames. They don't cause any damage, but the smell is atrocious after you kill them. You continue going through and realize you don't know what is worse. The absence of life or the return of life in a mutated horrific form. This is... this is not right at all. I... Brixley, we, before I wanted to leave, but now I feel like we have no choice but to keep going. We have to put a stop to this. This is horrible. Yeah, this is pretty, pretty intense. Um, let's see what we can. Let's keep going and see what we can figure out. What's going to happen if we fail? What does this? Is this a curse? I worry that the whole town will eventually look like this if this spreads. That's why we're here to make sure it doesn't. And then I'll swat another stinky gnat. It goes on like this for about half an hour. By now, it's almost dark. It's uh, about maybe an hour to sunset. 
Nolia looks around and says, okay, this has got to be the heart of the blight. But I'm not exactly sure where we're supposed to go for here. Does anyone want to look around, perhaps use some of the survival skills? I'll look around too and see if we can find any tracks of any people, perhaps. I think there's like a camp or something around here somewhere. I just don't know where to go. I can look around with my survival. Excellent, excellent. If you want to do a survival check, or anyone can do one. I'm actually decent at survival, too. I'll try it. Okay. Okay, 22. There you go. Pretty good. Crew 23. <laughs> Still got a lot to learn. Both of you uncover very faint boot tracks, and you find tracks leading deeper into the heart of the corruption. Check these tracks out. What kind of tracks? Does it look like person? Animal? Both? Worse? Boot. Boot tracks. Person. I got, humanoid. I got some humanoid. Big? Small? Big. Big boot tracks. Like proofy? Proof yep. Pure-sized. Pure-sized feet. Well, unless those mangy dogs are wearing shoes, I think it's a person. She looks at you and says, all right, let's Let's keep going. You follow the tracks with her help for about 30 minutes, and you approach a clearing. This map doesn't look so bad. It's green, and the trees have leaves. Mm-hmm. You arrive to a rather large clearing. Deeper into the massive blight, the plants take on an unnatural shades, and the branches seem to shudder and quake. At the sensation of something passing. Up ahead, you see a wall of thick brambles with some sort of thorny iris in the center. With this, Nolia looks at this and says, Okay, I have a plan. I'm going to go around and do what I do best is find any sickly animals and put them out of their misery. Unless they're going to set up traps all around this area. This appears to be the center of the blight. Before you go in, I suggest you do a few things. First, take a full inventory of all your consumables, anything you might need. And second of all, she pulls out four potions from her bag and says, I think you can use these. Here, these are two lesser healing potions, and these are two bark skin potions. Use them well. You, you, you're not going to come with us? No, no. I'm not good at fighting. I have a feeling you're going to have to be able to do the adventuring here. As I said, I'm, I'm much better at setting up traps and taking care of nature and trying to take care of any animals. These are boot tracks. These are humanoids. I don't deal with humanoids. I think this is something you're going to have to deal with. Well, I'm not very good at fighting, and I'm going in there. Yeah, but you're good at other things. You're great at fighting, just not with a sword. Fighting's mm. more than... Fighting's more than just swinging something around and hope you hit something. Okay. True, you're better than you think you are. Well, let's see. Compass, signal whistle, ocarina, disguise kit, mirror, soap, writing set. I don't know how any of this is going to help. Well, those aren't the things that you need for a fight. It's your, it's your magic and your, and your will. Huh, magic, right. Magic. You you do make fire, I saw. That's great. That's true. All right. Fire. Okay. 
I, I have something. That's right. I've got a feeling fire is going to be pretty useful against these, uh, I guess, plants. I guess we call them plants. Yes, plants with a question mark. A few things of note. Don't forget, two of those lesser quick silver mutagens that you got from Hela, um, Halid, and Cade has those. Almost all of you have healing potions. You have two of those potency crystal things, I think. Prue has both of those yes. right now. And now you have two more healing potions and two bark skin potions. Bark skin's pretty cool because that's a level two spell and it gives you bark skin for 10 minutes and it, your skin gets covered in bark. You gain resistance two to bludgeoning and piercing, but weakness three to fire. And uh, huh, I wouldn't worry about that, maybe. So who is taking what? Well, I will have I have the quicksilver ones, and that's I'm fine with that. And like one of the lesser, couple of the lesser heal. Wait, I think you have more than just the four, right? We have a bunch of healing potions. I'm holding two lesser healing potions from earlier. So we've I got have, four. I have one already. Five. Kate has one. I don't have any consumables. So we've got six healing potions, including the ones. She gave us so everybody gets one. Actually, then... Celeste has one minor healing potion, too. Oh, I should write that down. Celeste has one, Prue has two, Kate has one, Brixley has one. Yes, now you have two more. Oh, and Brixley also has two alchemist fire lessers. Don't forget, right? So, Prue, myself, Didn't I use one of those though against the bushes. Did you use one? You might yeah, remember because I tried to throw one did. to start the encounter. Oh, right. You have one left. You have one left. Yeah, I did like one splash damage plus five because they're vulnerable. It's actually pretty good for use of splash damage. Okay, you have one Alchemist Fire left. So who's going to take... There's two lesser healing. Who wants to get those? So maybe two for Prue, two for Brixley, two for uh, Cade total. Then I would need one of the healing potions. That's what I'm talking about. There's, we have six total, right? I think that's... The right like math. In amount of the party. We have you seven. Have seven total. And then one to Celeste, one, just in case. And one for case. Celeste. I've got the minor one. They're all minor. Oh, no, no. These are lesser. Ooh, these are even better. Oh. Yeah. Wait. Wait. What's the... Oh, no. Yeah. You actually have minor healing potions. So there's... Sorry. You have one, two, three, four, five minor healing potions. These are lesser healing potions, which do way more healing. So five minor and two lesser. That is correct. So one lesser to Prue and one lesser to Brixley and then spread out the minors. Yeah, we can still do the original uh, plan. We just put the, assign the lessers. So then Cade will still take two minors. Me and Brixley right. will, will take one minor and Celeste will take one minor. And then two lessers, one for Prue, one for Brixley. The question Sounds is, where good. do we put the bark skins? Do we use the philosophy of it goes to the most or the least defended? Um, if we put it on our two tankiest, that's me and and Brixley. But if we think I'd about it, most. but if we think maybe Cade could use the extra help, then maybe that's a, he's a good candidate for it. That's true because you will be up there in things. So hmm. yeah, maybe myself and Prue. 
Oh, but you do have the option of the range weapon, which me and Bricks don't have. I do. Then, yeah, so. you guys should take it. All right, I'm writing down the bark skin. I'll take a bark skin as well. And then I've got both potency crystals. Do y'all want me to have them both? Yeah, it's one shot each, so they okay. don't last. They just last for one swing. Yeah. But you already have a magic weapon, right? I do, but I don't have a striking weapon, and that's what that gives you. I guess, oh, okay. really, I could make the most use out of striking since it's an extra D10 for me. Well, if okay. we split them up... I'm okay. I'm okay with that. If, if we split them up, I can put guidance, and then whenever I use guidance on you, you'll know that that's the swing that really counts. So you could use your crystal then. But I can only use it on you once every, I think it's 10 minutes or hour or something. So if you split them up, then that gives us two shots with both guidance and the potency crystal. Theoretically, we won't blow all of our consumables in the next fight. Theoretically. If we want to live. Yeah, Guidance only works once per hour per creature. What's Cade, what's your damage dice? Is it D6? Yeah, so I have a short sword. And that plus does a, one short sword. Well, plus one to hit only. But it's sure. a D6, yes. Is Brixley using D8s? Yeah, I get, D, I get D8s. I think if we're going to split the potency crystals, I think maybe we give the other one to you. Okay. okay. So what you do is you fix it to your weapon, and then whenever you want, as a free action, you activate it, and then the weapon becomes a plus one striking weapon for the wet rest of your turn. And if you hit, you get, obviously, you plus one to the attack roll, and then you increase the damage of a hit to two weapon dice, and that's for the whole turn. So you can hit three times with that, in theory. Do you have to declare its use before you roll the die, or before yes, you... You haven't, yeah. you haven't rolled yet. You have to attack, but you haven't rolled yet. And then you use it as a free action. You say, potency crystal, activate! And then it explodes, and your weapon glows in striking power. And then you have one round to use it. Oh, cool. Cool. Consumables always always give me anxiety because I don't want to use them at the wrong time. But then if I never use them, I'm also being a dingus. If you're alive, it's the right time. I don't. I think synergy with other things is good, which is why I mentioned guidance. And like, if it's a big fight and it seems appropriate, guidance is only one action, so I can usually do something else and do guidance. Okay, I think we have everything sorted out. I gave out all the potions. Only uh. Looks at you and says, Okay, we'll meet back here in morning. Take your time. Don't rush this. Who knows what's in there? But we'll be back and talk in the morning. With that, she takes her leave and runs off into the deep darkness. It's about half an hour to sunset. It's twilight. As I said, to the east, approximately... How many feet is that? 120 feet to the east... You see a wall of thick brambles, and there's this weird iris right in the middle. There's some trees and bushes and a narrow path that leads to this iris. To the north of you and to the south, there's a hillside. Like an eyeball iris or like a flower iris? Eyeball. Like a fleshy eyeball? Whatever is the most disgusting thing you can think of in your head, that's what it looks like. Yep, it's a fleshy eyeball. It grew an eye. If I get a little closer, I can throw fire at it. Let, let's, yes, let's put fire on it until it is no longer an eye. That's a good plan. 
See those bushes up on the left? I, I think if I was up in front of those bushes, I could hit it from there. Well, let's make sure we're, we're um, you know, safe. I'll, uh, I'll scout ahead and be all sneaky-like. Okay, he moves up. It's about 30 feet in front of you. What's all of your vision, by the way, since it's getting dark? Low light. Low light. Human. I've also got the low light. Mm-hmm. Human. I'm technically human, but, you know, got the half-orc blood. So what is Kate doing exactly? Give me a blow-by-blow. Blow. So I'd like to, I mean, how much of this vegetation is traversable? Like, if I walk through it and was all silent-like in the shrubs. The um, shrub stealth. You're going to go through the shrubs? Or are you going to go if through... If I can. Sure, you can do whatever you want. Just put yourself where you want to be. So there's there's some shrubs, there's some trees, there's a path, and then there's obviously the ground. When you walk on the ground, it's kind of squishy. Like, unnaturally squishy. Kind of gross. Like the ground slurps up your footsteps? Like, ground isn't supposed to be slushy and gross. It's supposed to be green and grass and nice and firm. I feel like I'm stepping on moldy fungus. Kate is pretty far away from everyone. Well, is anyone I'm motioning. Yeah, if everyone should keep like 30, 30 feet yeah, from me. Yeah, you're motioning. Okay, I'll keep up then. And I'll be sneaky sneaks. Do you like a roll? I'm rolling it. I've been rolling it. Oh, okay. I'm also going to be sneaky sneaks. I am rolling your, your stealth. It's hard for you to stealth out in the open. I mean, you can sort of like go down and hunch. Oh, I'm, a, I'm assuming I'm somehow in these shrubs and behind these trees and stuff. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like the shrub mm -hmm. here and... Mm -hmm. The pustule trees? I wouldn't get close to those. Between that one and that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. As you go close to that bush you um, short swords are out weapons out weapons hot weapons are hot our weapons hot as you get close to that bush there's like two bushes that kind of flank the path and you're about 50 feet from the iris the bush in front of you sort of puffs out a cloud of oh, some no. sort oh no and envelops your entire head give me a fortitude save all right oh we also bought bandoliers right last you, uh oh yeah you yeah. all have you so all, all my potions and things are jammed into it mm-hmm a save you say a fortitude save that's mm. not the worst it's not a critical fail the good news is the puff of smoke in your face seems to not affect you. You feel a little strange, almost confused, smelling this odd gas coming out of the plant. But that's not what bothers you. What bothers you is that you see some of the, tr the plants and vines beginning to move. Roll for combat! Of course. Kate is up first. And to the west of you, to the south of you, and to the east of you, you notice vines sort of moving and 
kind of crawling towards your direction. Also, that poof of spores has gone out and spread 20 feet around the plant that you were just in front of. What do you do as you go first? Okay, well, time to move. Yike! Acrobatic flippity jump out of there. Bye. Okay, you run out of the spore cloud next to a vine lasher. It's it's not quite as horrific as those killer trees. Those Audrey 2 bloodlash bushes that you fought near the wolf den. These appear to be much smaller and more spindly. What do you do? What's your first action? I attack it. Attack the bush. Go, go, gadget, bush. Die, shrub. Excellent. You cut that shrub down, doing ten points of damage. Now let me tell you a little secret. Yes, for 25 think, credit, almost. I think, um, is it f- considered flat-footed in round one or anything like that? Oh, right. What's your special ability? Surprise attack. You spring into combat faster than foes can react in the first round of combat. If you roll, if it rolled stealth for initiative, which I was stealthing, creatures that haven't acted are flat-footed. Yep, it's flat-footed. So sneaky sneakers. So then you actually did double damage because you actually critted it. So <laughs> get it. <laughs> yeah, you killed that plant dead. Brixley's having, he's having flashbacks to his time in the salad days. No, no more plants. And then I will make my third action. I come back, join the line, and say, there's some nasty plants in there. Nasty ones. Proves up. I really don't want to walk into that cloud of spores. That I don't no. want to do that. So Am I I'm... coughing or anything? Am I like, <laughs> is it like that sort of thing or no? No, it... You bumped into it, and then it, like, exploded in this spore cloud that's still hanging around that area. And you quickly held your breath and ran out of it, so you were not affected. Okay. Uh, it's, don't, don't go in that cloud. I, I, it can't be anything good. Yeah. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to step up uh, five feet. This puts me at 30 feet from it, which is a range at which I can throw a spooky, fangly ghost at it. Yeah. So I'm going to ray of frost that bush. Uh, okay. You ray of frost the bush. You hit the bush, and you do a, some damage to that bush. The bush is not moving. It just sort of took it and is just reacting and sort of wilted a little from your ray of frost. That's it. And that's a, that's a spooky skull biting at it. Okay. I'll let you have it. Ray of skull. That's exactly what it is. I, I, I just I take a skull in my in my offhand, and I just kind of chuck it like a baseball. Okay. Do you have an, you have another action? Uh, I don't. Ray of frost is a two action. Oh right, your two actions. Okay, you are done. Vine lasher. It's a vine that loves to lash. That was in the tune of Goldfinger for those of you who are paying attention. Oh, I thought you were doing a Mary Poppins reference. It loves to lash. Whack, 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 whack. <laughs> no, it's Goldfinger. So the plant crawls 
this horrific crawling north towards you. And you're like, yeah, that is not natural. Crawls right kind of near Prue, 10 feet away, and then whips out one of its vine towards Prue. Let's see if uh, it even comes close to you. Mm, yeah, it's going to try to attack you as it's lashing out semi-randomly. But no, with your improved armor of 20, it misses with a 16 as you jump over it, kind of like a horrible skip rope. Ha! You'll have to try better than that, Bean Sprout. Well, now other one's dead. So then this Vine Lasher, way to the east, also heads on over, and it will... One, two, three, four... Does it have the same mischance as those other shrub that was? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, this one uses its actions and blindly sort of tries to go towards Brixley, but is like no! failing miserably and doesn't know exactly where you are. It's just sort of lashing out. It doesn't even count as an attack. Brixley's up. Stab that arugula. All right, I'm going to step five feet forward, and I'm going to stab... While you're stabbing it, are you continuously giving yourself affirmations like, I can take you on. You're just a plant. Oh, he did it. Seems like the affirmations worked. All right. 14 now, points of damage. Not quite dead, though. Not now quite that dead. my bloodlust or saplust or whatever is up, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and attack again. Saplust. Yes. Yeah, you kill that plant. Yeah. Take that <laughs> salad. She's like, you're not eating me today. You can't hurt me anymore. I learned my lesson about taking the foliage for granted. Celeste is up. All right, let's see if we can get this thing gone as well. She's going to get a nice big handful of fire and toss it right over that thing. Nice underhanded softball toss. Unfortunately, Prue and Brixley were in your way, and you try to hit it, but you you miss a little, unfortunately. I'm super unhappy with that thing. Uh, Is it too late to use a hero point? (laughs) I'm really afraid of what it's going to do. You can use a hero point. You can always Uh, use a hero point after the roll. You rolled a three, and you felt like you missed it by not much. I will also say, though, you don't think these things are going to burn very well because they're covered in weird uh, sap and goo. They actually don't. Oh. They look fire resistant, if anything, not fire. Oh, well. You can give it a try. How many hero points do I have at this point? Just one, one. because of the session? Okay. Yep. One right now. Everyone well, I might need that to live later, so I guess I won't. All right. So then with my final action, uh, she will. Hmm. Uh, she'll say, Kate, I believe in you. Take another one down. And she'll give Kate guidance. Hee hee. Go, Kate, go. I will. I'll do it. And what does guidance give me? A an extra plus one or something? Yep, plus one to hit. Here it comes. Well, plus one. M- move somewhere that I can flank with you. Plus one status bonus to one attack roll, perception check, saving throw, or skill check. Here it comes. You hit that plant. Eight points of damage for 21. Does it last for the next attack or the next round? No, nah, it's just one one of those things. Gotcha. Then I will attack again. You kill that plant. You guys uh, kill these MS plants 
Dead. I am the salad master. Bow before me, salads. True. The salads in front of you are dead. There is a large spore cloud that is not dissipating. You can now continue fighting or stop as it looks like no other things are coming to kill you right this minute. Oh, so there's no reason to stay in initiative? Not really, unless you're going to charge in. I'm not going to charge in. I'm just going to keep haunting this cabbage. (laughs) Yeah, Celeste is going to move up next to Prue and also start launching fire at those two bushes. I wish bushes. Uh, The one that released all the spores and the one that looks similar to it across the path. Okay. You release a fire into the bush to the north. And then that too explodes. That's what we thought. Cloud of spores. I will say you can just do this at will since they're not moving. They're not doing anything. They're not coming after you. So you're okay. And after just a few minutes, the clouds dissipate and the two bushes are dead. Great teamwork, everyone. Damn right. I did next to nothing. That's what you get shrubs you guys are just rolling dynamite on those sprouts should i say scrubs all right you guys are shrub killers good job we are shrub bane that could have been a lot worse last time we it was yeah i was really nervous that this was going to be just like last time uh so was i yeah just looking at that dead plant just like what's up now well shall we sally forth how you like me now kale What's that? I can't hear you. I can't hear you from all the salad slap chop I just did to you. Okay, let's go. I'm done. You good? You get it all out? I got a little more, but I'll save it for after the fight, after this after this part. All right. You doing sneaky time? Said sneaky time. All right, you sneak by the two dead shrubs. Sure enough, nothing is nothing's happening. They're they're dead. No more gas, no more spores. Want me to throw some fire at that weird eye? Yes. A hundred percent yes. Do all we right. do we want to all ready to attack it in sync? Let's see what the fire does. It might just like send more plants to come get us, you know, like something. Alright, well, everyone get in position just in case it does something. I'm actually gonna put my shield up just in case. I'm gonna be thirty feet from the iris just in case. Where is the iris exactly in this in this black um, fog of war? I assumed it's where those two brambles touch. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah. Oh, it's right there. Okay. Yeah, it's way to the east. It's about thirty-five feet east of you, where those brambles are sort of touching exactly. Yeah, uh, Celeste, you get yourself at optimal range, and we'll form a line. Oh, I'm, I might be in the way. I can hit it from here. Oh, it's fine. It, it's not moving. I can hit it from here. Uh, so I'm going to use Reach Spell and then Produce Flame to really give it a wind-up and throw it all that way. So that'll make it a range of 60 feet, and I'm currently 55 away. Okay. Okay, you hit it for 8 points of fire damage. The Iris takes a little bit of damage, but is still holding holding tight. Does it seem like it gets singed, like it takes damage at all? or? Yeah, yeah, I mean... Looks like maybe 15% of it got burned away. Okay. Um, can I you can, keep it up? Yep, I can do that an infinite number of times. So I'll just keep hucking fire at it till it burns down. Okay. You're throwing fire at it. 
You're doing, uh, you're doing, you're doing pretty well. I can help so that we get through it faster, since we're probably drawing attention. Sure. Roll for combat! While you're hucking fire and causing a lot of noise and commotion, without you noticing, to the south, another one of these vines is creeping oh so slowly towards Cade and will attack him. I missed it. I missed it. Yes. I missed I, the sneakiness. You missed the sneakiness. It was more sneaky than you. Hard to believe. It is hard to believe. But it happened. But the good news is you're like, oh, well, hey, ho. And you like sort of like start hopping around as it's trying to grab onto. And you're like, whoa, hey, guys. I think we got another live one here. We got another bag of arugula. Fruit is up and sees another one of these vines coming from the south. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to walk up to it. Oh, actually, I'm going to keep moving around it a bit so I give Kate a good flanking spot. Yeah. All right, so now he should be able to just come up and flank pretty easy. Uh, okay, with that... one second. As soon as you Uh-oh. walk over there. Yeah. Oh, no. That's fine. I got to give It's another it one of those plants. It looks the same. It explodes. Another one of those plants that looked just like the other ones you already <laughs> saw explodes in a spore cloud as you like I'm just gonna flank this thing poof uh oh that ain't good give me a fortitude save here we go a two for a ten what do you wish to do well I don't want to waste the hero point here I'm thinking I'll take it on the chin use it or lose it sister yeah but the worst that could happen is I start dying, in which case I use it to stop dying. I think it's a better investment to use it on that. Okay. You inhale the the spores, and you're like, ha ha ha, oh, that ain't good. Your thoughts and instincts are clouded. You are stupefied. You take a status penalty to all your intelligence, wisdom, and charisma-based checks, including will save spell attack rolls, spell DCs, and skill checks that use that. Anytime you try to cast a spell, you need to succeed in a flat check of five plus the stupefied value. In this case, you're stupefied one, and that's all. Probably won't affect you too much, so you can continue your turn, but you are stupefied right now and in the cloud of spores. Okay. Well, since I'm stupefied, I'm just going to fall back on muscle memory. So I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my swirling rage of ghosts and I'm gonna attack it with a flail. Uh, does that mean you're gonna rage? Bush, I'm a, yeah. That attack. Okay. That's right. So that'll be my three actions after the one war flail attack. You hit that vine oh so well, and the vine is not happy. I don't know how you can tell the emotions of a vine, but you just do. Kate is up. Can I hold my breath now? Mm, not really, because it's going to still go into like your pores and like your eyes. And okay, stuff. It's, it's a contact and eyes thing. Got it. Mm-hmm. Oh, usually like a save. I do want to save. Fortitude. Ew. You fail with a 12. You are stupefied as well. I accept my stupefied. Welcome to the party, pal. Oh no. Stupefied. I can't cast my spells. Oh wait. It's like saying I can't play the piano anymore. I never could. Well, that's just stage one of the poison. 
Right. There's several more I to will, go. I will attack. Yeah, it's fliggity flank. Man, these plants are no match for the power of Cade and crew. Cade Kalebane. Uh, yeah, I'm else. leaving. Oh, okay. All right, Cade Kalebane is my favorite part of this episode. <laughs> All right, the plant's dead. All hail the plant killers. Uh, there's still that large spore cloud that's hanging out. Yeah, and while we have a chance, there's another one of those plants that looks like that. Yes, so I'm just going to lob some fire at it. Just Agent Orange, this whole situation over here. Oh my gosh. Critical kale. Critical. <laughs> <laughs> just incinerate the plant. Maybe there's no spores. Saving nature by lighting it all on fire. Celeste critted that bush you get that bush and you you think in your head celeste you think you heard the bush scream no one else heard it in my head but you heard it if you know you heard that bush scream you got one action left what are you gonna do um run up to brixley and grab his arm i heard the bush scream i heard the bush scream brixley's up in a flash you saw Things happen. People running, plants dying, bushes exploding. What are you doing? Um, I try to take a better. I'm gonna move forward so I can see the bush, the bush, and see if I can see what's going on. Like, see if I can see anything. I mean, with the spore cloud, it's probably not very likely. But yeah, you you go to the edge of the spore cloud and you can see the bush is burning, but it's uh, it's still intact. Do I hear any screaming or anything like that? You hear you hear crackling of the sap and the pustules exploding on the bush. So it could sound like air escaping from the branches. It could 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 be screaming, yeah. Sounds like justice to me. Damn. That's cool. Okay. Anything else? I'm just gonna keep my shield at the ready just in case any more weeds come running out at us. Is the eye all burned up? No. The eye's like halfway burned. Prue Frosthammer, give me a fortitude save. Oh boy, this is my favorite. Whew, so good. Twelve. Oh my goodness. You are stupefied too. Which way did he go? Which way did he go? You're like, huh? Alright, you're starting to you're starting to get a bit a bit of a buzz off of this cloud. You're kind of enjoying it a little. You're like, man, this is if I can bottle this up and maybe conserve this to people. Uh, you're up. The plant I... is dead and there's a bush next to you kind of on fire. Okay, I'm going to stumble out of the spore back towards my companions. I'm going to get outside of the cloud and I'm just going to cough and just breathe deep in the rest of the air. And just I'm, Can I spend actions to just compose myself? Yes, but it will not affect the poison running through your veins already. That's fine. I'm going to put a bunch of clean air in my lungs with two actions. Okay, you do that. Cade also needs to give me a fortitude save, as he also has a contact high from that lovely, lovely mine fuddle gas, it's called. Ooh, there you go. The mine fuddle glass... A fortitude save of 25, a critical success, which makes him clear his head 
as if nothing happened. You're fine, Cade. I feel good. I give I give Prue some water. Okay. I drink it. Anything else? There appears to be no other plants reaching towards you. I get I just prepare myself for more salad assaults. Now the reason we need to stay in rounds, and this actually happened if you listen to the um, one shot I did with Mark and Linda from Paizo, that the poison will continuously do things. And it acts for, you have to keep in rounds until the poison's out of your system. So we're not done yet. And right now the poison's still improved system. Things can get much worse or much better very quickly. So less is up. Uh, well, since there's not much I can do about that, three round cast and let's blast this iris some more. Okay. Yeah, you get that iris and crit that thing. It's, uh, it's still intact, but it's looking... Looking mighty, mighty nasty. Almost, Gross. almost completely burned. Um, Pardon wants to go up and stab it, but I mean, it seems like there's no risk to hitting it from range. So for the moment, I guess I'll just stay put. Drew, give me that fortitude save. All right, I'm gonna have a seat and just concentrate on this fort save. Yeah. Okay. It's a good thing you made that because you don't even want to know what stage three was. You snap out of it. You get a fortitude save of 25. Critical success brings you all the way back from stage one to stage zero. You're out of the woods. All that water and deep breaths helped you out, and you're fine. Why don't you humor us and tell us what stage three was? Stupefied two, 1d4 mental damage. Oh. Confused. Oh. You strike at random. That was almost very bad. That is correct. I know. Rob almost lost his character. <laughs> you would have actually started to attack your own fellow PCs. This would have gotten very bad very quickly. Good thing Kate gave me that water. You're confused. You don't have your wits about you and you attack wildly. You're flat footed and don't treat anyone as your ally. You can't delay, ready, or use reactions. Ooh, and you're raging too. So you would have been raging, striking at Cade or Celeste at Brixley randomly. Wow. You could have just killed them outright. Mm-hmm. Well, let's be glad that didn't happen. And can we just proactively burn everything in this area? Yes, please. <laughs> you sure can. It's up to you. Are you going to start just walking around to every one of these bushes and just burning them? I'm going to call in an airstrike because I'm tired of this shit. Okay, after a minute, the spores dissipate, and I can say that you nuke them from orbit. It's the only way to be sure, and it's, it's all dead. You walk around, you kill and set on fire. I'll say you spend 30 minutes just killing all the small bushes and leaves and trees, and... The big, the big trees you can't really do anything about, but those appear to be just disgusting. They don't appear to like want to attack you or eat you or turn you into human salad. There's like little, little evil plants trying to get away as we're like burning and raising everything, and we just like step on a beanstalk, hasta la vista, sprout thing, and then we like hit it with fire. You know, they're like ah. Freaking demonic dandelions floating through the air. Yeah, they're all just trying to escape. Ah. Brixley is like, 
I'm getting my revenge today. And he just keeps dropping one-liners. He's just, like, coming up with puns continuously. Yeah, he's just sitting there with, like, the kind of evil grin on his face the entire time. You've got sunglasses on, and, like, the fire flickers off the sunglasses. Okay. They're all dead. Good job. By killing the plants, you get 80 experience points. Good job. Ooh. One per plant. Sure. If you want to look at it that way. Anyhow, the iris is like 75% open. What are you going to do? Keep nuking it. Okay, you nuke it, you nuke it, you nuke it. And after about a minute, it dissipates. And you see into the other side a little bit. It's dark by now. And there's a lot of smoke. And some funky smelling stuff around here. What are you going to do? Hmm. Cast light on a stone and hand it to Cade. Maybe he can sling it into there so we can see what we're up against. Okay, you're about 30 feet away from it right now, so... I flick it in there with my sling staff. Okay, from 35 feet away. What's the range on the sling staff? Let me check. I'm just trying to get a rock into a general vicinity. Should be fine. I'll do it on a uh, sling bullet so it's all nice and proper. The range is 80 feet. That works too. 80 foot range. Okay. You sling it through, and as soon as it goes through the iris, you hear it splash into some water and disappear. Splash, you say. Does the light still create some nice effect where we can see in there? Nope. Does not. Disappears right away. It's muddy water. Yeah, it's not going to be clean water. Do you want to put it on another sling bullet and not splash into the water? Yep. I'll take another shot and won't go as far. Like, I'll do it a uh, 40-foot shot. Uh, you miss. You hit the side of the brambles and it ricochets back towards you. I pick it up and do it again. Yeah, I can just... <laughs> There's a bunch of rocks on the floor, I'm sure. Okay. You shoot and it goes through... But you can't really see that well. <sighs> Fine. You can see. Oh, I'm showing you what you can see. I mean, it's a oh, small okay. iris. Like, it's it's a, it's obviously a very large area to the east, and you see is like kind of a weird puddle of goo right by the rock. Okay, I'm moving up real slow and stealtho. The iris is only big enough for you to walk in. So, well, I'm just gonna step up to it and peek through. Okay. And move up behind him. You peek through. On the other side of the wall of brambles is a large yard. In front of you is a pool of bubbling sludge. Does it kind of look like this vial of corpse blood I'm still holding? Nope. Does it look flammable? You are... can certainly throw up. Very far away. Fire chunk in there. Not that far away. Yeah, how about that far? That's 45 feet, which with the three actions I should be able to get to. Right in the middle of the pool there. Okay, you cast fire past everyone through the iris into the bubbling sludge. You rainbows it in there like a mortar. Yeah, like a mortar. I mean, I'm just trying to see, is it like going to catch on fire? What's it going to do? It's a pool of gas. You just killed us all. I mean, it's possible. I wouldn't uh, wouldn't put it past this module, honestly. Five, six, seven. Wow. I rolled as bad as you can get. Good job. Okay. This is what happens. You throw the fire. 
it goes into the sludge. Several of the bubbles pop, and you actually see you see a large green mist explode out of it and go right towards Cade. What? In yeah. his face. Give me... Yes, it actually exploded. I did a 1d8 to see the direction. Seven is right in Cade's face. It does 20 feet, which is exactly his distance. <laughs> Give me a fortitude save. 19. All right. The good news That's is... That's pretty good. You, uh, you don't get sick from the explosion of goo in your face, but... But you take four points of acid damage as Aye. it explodes and pieces of the goo. Just, it's just bad timing, man. It just happened to explode and perfectly land right on your face in such a way that it did maximum damage. So that is what you found out. Oh, I'm so sorry. Right. At least we know it's flammable. It's all right. I'll, we can back up and continue to do that. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's not flammable. All that happened is... The flame caused part of it to react and explode, and the explosion just happened to land at Cade. It could have gone anywhere. So it's reactive goo. It's reacting, but it's definitely not flammable. It's equivalent of, like, poking with a stick. It's like bubbling tar, only acid and other It's like poking it with a stick, but then it pokes you back. Pretty much. Crew, I wonder what it does if you freeze it. Can you freeze it from here? Uh, now this 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 pond is enormous. I mean, let's see, it's thirty by forty feet. So we're talking about thousands and thousands of gallons. So go right ahead, but keep in mind this is not like a vial or something. Yeah, I'm not sure that attacking it's in our best interests. I'm mostly just trying to see what it does, so we can try to figure out what this stuff is. You want to go get a sample of it? Surely not. Well, how do we proceed? Um, Cade goes first. <laughs> hey, better question. Are those tracks still here? Yes, going into this iris. Maybe we follow the tracks. Yeah. The bubbling is still bubbling towards Cade. It's been kind of hitting and sizzling on the the, iris, the wall. It's sort of now shifted and it's going southwest. So it looks like you have a quick opportunity to jump in before the wind shift and it starts bubbling again towards you. Okay, so it's kind of like the fumes roil and are acidic and they kind of like blow into you? Yes, yes. And in this case, it was was the fumes are... By throwing the fireball, that sort of caused this large explosion of fumes and gases to start being released. And some of it is just caustic acid in the air and others is actually pieces of the sludge flying out towards you and it was going to the west it's now sort of going to the southwest you can keep waiting as it seems to be sort of shifting and moving due to the wind it's up to you i think we should wait till it shifts all the way east and then maybe move in real quick or we could just go now and go north around it cage you're leaving why why don't we just get moving on it let's go I think it's shifting again. Which way is it blowing? No, it's always moving. Up oh, now it's going it's going south. The winds are winds are going south. Alright, let's yep. hurry up and go north. north. Cover your mouths as you pass it. Alright, stop, Cade. Stopping. I think we're all going in that order, so Or put yourselves up to where you want to be. 
I don't want to be like right behind Kate. I want to give him a little distance. Okay. But so I'll put yourself like, wherever you want. I want to be at least twenty feet away from this since we now know the range of it. What's the light source? That light only is on. I mean, I could share where the light is, but that's way to the south, and this area is enormous. I think light's only like forty feet, anyhow. So uh, I don't need mm. it because it's low light. For you, it's low light. For the only one it's going to matter is for Celeste. I would just say you can hold light it. For you her. can hold her own personal light. Yeah, Celeste, it's if you take light. my hand, I'll drag you up here. Yeah, it's fine. I can also cast light again on something if the light I cast earlier isn't doing anything. Just put it on your face. <laughs> um, sounds dangerous. You look positively illuminating. You run in, holding your breath, trying to escape the fumes, which are going south right now. I will give you the full description. You weren't able to see this completely because it was kind of like up a little bit of a small hill and some of the fumes and stuff. Actually, you were also still 20 feet away. Once you rush through all the way, you're able to see. On the other side of the wall of branches is a yard dominated by three large wooden cages and a pool of bubbling sludge. A wretched-looking horse stands in one of the cages, while the other cage is filled with a swarm of gigantic rats covered in white blisters. A third pen to the south appears empty, but it is built around a small cave located in the hillside. There's another cave entrance on the north side near one of the pens. In front of the pens are two orcs. As you start rushing up, you hear them say loudly to each other, No! 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 Roll for combat! You've been listening to Roll for Combat, a Pathfinder actual play podcast. If you have a question or comment for the show, please visit us at RollForCombat.com. You can also find us and play various role-playing games on our Discord channel at Discord.RollForCombat.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other social media platforms. You've been listening to Roll for Combat. Until next week, always remember that the producers of Roll for Combat are not responsible for any listeners who begin attending satanic cult meetings after being exposed to role-playing.